What's the new shorter GMAT focus? How is its scoring going to work? What does it mean for you as an applicant and test taker? If those are your questions, this episode is for you. We'll be discussing the GMAT focus with GMAC's Director of Product Marketing and former Director of Product Development. Welcome to Admission Straight Talk, the podcast dedicated to graduate admissions and helping you approach the application process thoughtfully and successfully. Your host is Accepted's founder and world-renowned admissions guru, Linda Abraham. At Accepted, our mission is to get you to that unforgettable moment when you read your acceptance email and shout, yes, I'm in, confident you'll be attending the perfect program to help you launch the career of your dreams. Welcome to the 534th episode of Admission Straight Talk. Thanks for joining me today. You're invited to take Accepted's free six-question quiz, this is not the GMAT, at accepted.com slash MBA and see how prepared you are to actually apply. You'll also gain access to relevant other resources that can help you develop an application strategy for acceptance. Just go to accepted.com slash MBA to take your quiz, access the framework, and those other resources I mentioned. Our guest today is Manish Daria, Director of Product Marketing at the Graduate Management Admissions Council. He earned his bachelor's at UVA and his MBA at Georgetown McDonough. In his career, Manish has been a consultant and owned his own business. Since 2005, he's been working in HR consulting and analytics and product development. In 2015, Manish joined GMAC as Director First of Product Management, then Product Development, and now Product Marketing. Manish, welcome to Admissions Straight Talk. I'm delighted to speak with you today. Thank you, Linda. I'm excited to be here today to talk about the evolution of the GMAT exam. Okay, great. Well, that's a great place to start. How has the GMAT exam evolved? Yeah, that's a, we get that question a lot, right? Um, so, you know, why are we changing the GMAT? What's sort of the basis for this? And I think I like to take people back to the beginning, right? The GMAT exam, for those that maybe aren't aware, launched first in 1954. So it's come a long way, almost 70 years. And over that time, the the needs of the market, what business schools need, what business school candidates, what employers need, has been evolving. And so too has the GMAT. So the GMAT exam that's currently available looks very different from the one in 1954. And GMAT Focus Edition continues that evolution forward. So just to remain current, to remain relevant, so that individuals applying to business school can demonstrate their, their capabilities for success in school and beyond, we continue to evolve the GMAT exam. So how is a new GMAT focus going to be structured? Let's just start with some really basic questions. I understand it's an evolutionary process, but what is the applicant going to face when they take the new GMAT? Yeah, so the good news is from a test taker perspective, the questions that the individual sees on the GMAT focus will look the same as they do on the current version of the exam. A lot of the work we've done is to ensure that the information that comes out of the exam provides better insight to both test takers as well as to schools so that they can make better decisions about their readiness for school. So structurally, yeah, we've made some changes. You know, everyone you know hopefully knows the current GMAT. It's quant, verbal, integrated reasoning, and an essay. And so as we talked to admissions, faculty, and and frankly, uh, recruiters in the business space, we heard a lot about three areas of importance. One skill set was problem solving. The second one was critical thinking. And the third one was data analytics or data literacy. And so we took that to heart as we reimagined the GMAT exam really wanting to make sure 
that those three skill sets were, were coming through clearly from the GMAT. And so as we restructured the GMAT, we, we continue to have a, a quantitative section, but it's really focused on problem solving those, those uh, mathematical, with the use of those mathematical skill sets. Yeah. We continue to have a verbal section, and then we added a new section um, called data insights. Uh, which really is getting at that uh, data literacy capabilities. So are you comfortable um, analyzing data, synthesizing data from multiple sources? Is that an area where you're comfortable so that schools have that added piece of information? And frankly, individual test taker also has that added piece of information. Uh, but as I mentioned, the questions are the same. We've moved some things around. We've remove some things, frankly, so you no longer see sentence correction on the exam because it doesn't fit those those three buckets, problem solving, critical thinking, and data literacy. Now, I know one of the key qualities of a, a successful leader and business person is communication skill. Right. Do you feel that, and I think you've also removed the essay section, you move sentence correction, you move the essay section, obviously you still have the verbal section. Do you feel that that's covering the communications element adequately? Yeah, I mean, I, the, the focus of the GMAT is is more on that that ability to think critically and reason. Right. And so we continue to provide that uh, through the remaining uh, questions types that are available, reading comprehension and critical thinking. Those are the two question types that are, remain in the GMAT. We did remove the essay component because by and large, what we heard, frankly, from test takers was they didn't, they didn't really love it. But from schools also was that as they thought about prioritizing, uh, making the exam more approachable for a broader population of business school candidates, and the fact that they really weren't using AWA significantly really? you know, in, in their decision-making process. So as, as we, we really just re respond to what the schools tell us, right? We're, we're, we didn't make any of these decisions in a vacuum. Schools told us, hey, can you make the exam shorter? Um, can you make it more approachable? And honestly, we're not really using AWA for its intended purpose. And certainly we're not using it as a primary uh, part of our process. And so with that sort of information at hand, we decided to pull the AWA as well to really meet this goal of creating a more approachable experience for uh, test takers around the world. Do you think ChatGPT might be changing that at all? It's certainly a consideration, right? It's, it's something that wasn't, uh, it's really a, a new phenomenon, yeah. you know, yeah. and I think what we know today will be very different from what we know six months from now and, and six months after that. So I think I think business schools and certainly GMAC are you know continuing to look at how that has implications for the admissions process. We'll see how we can best support that in the, in the coming months. How long does the GMAT focus take? So the GMAT focus is reduced by almost an hour. The current GMAT takes three hours and seven minutes plus breaks. The GMAT focus is two hours and 15 minutes. Each of the three sections is only 45 minutes long, uh, and you have one optional break that's 10 minutes long, and you can take that between either of the, uh, you know, either two sections of the three. So you have a lot of flexibility there. You also, as we're on the topic, you can take the exam in whatever order you choose. You know, as we were having those conversations with business schools and business school candidates around the world, one of the things we heard a lot about was what can you do to, to reduce test fatigue and test anxiety and how can you create an experience that allows the test taker to have more flexibility? And so we really took that to heart. And, and throughout the exam experience, we look for opportunities to, 
sort of target those those concerns of, of testing fatigue and testing anxiety. And, and so, you know, you can take the exam in whatever order you want. The other big one that we added was, you know, historically with the current GMAT, you have to answer every question before you can move forward. And sometimes you might get stuck on a question. And so you gotta you gotta do a little gambling. You gotta say, hey, how much time am I gonna spend on this before I guess? Should I just guess and move on? Should I try to get it right? With the GMAT focus, you have the ability to skip and come back. So within the, the section. Within, within the section, se you have yeah. the ability to skip a question up and, and you get to the end and then you can come back. So you just tag a question, you say, hey, this one, you know, maybe I'll, I'll save this to the end. I'll see how much time I have left and I'll come back and deal with it. But in that way, you're not sort of, you know, gambling away time that you could use more effectively on other questions that you do know the, uh, the ability to solve for. You do have the ability to solve for. Right. So is the adaptive element that was in the in the traditional GMAT, is that kind of going away? As I understood, maybe I didn't understand it correctly. You, you know, the, the questions changed as you went on and within a section in the old in the traditional GMAT. Yeah, is that yeah. correct? That's correct. Uh, GMAT is the, uh, you know, it is, is a question adaptive exam. It will remain, GMAT focus will remain a question adaptive uh, exam. This is an incredible innovation that our R&D team, our psychometrics team, as they're called, you know, we're able to really uh, drive some, some great product innovation so that we could meet a lot of these needs that the market was asking for. And so, yes, it remains computer adaptive, question adaptive. As you answer questions, the difficulty level will change. If you're getting questions right, you'll see the difficulty level increase. As you're getting questions wrong, you'll see the difficulty level decrease. And, and that remains. And so with, the, with this review and edit capability, ability to go backwards, you still will complete the entire section, right? So the adaptive nature of the exam will continue. The algorithm will complete. And then once you've answered all the questions, that's when you can go back. So the, the, adaptive, the adaptiveness of the, of the section is now complete. And then you can go back and you can change an answer. Certainly, if you make a incorrect answer correct or a correct answer incorrect, that will have some, some you know, implications for your score. But it will no longer, uh, the adaptive nature of the exam has completed, of the section has completed at that point. So let's say I'm taking a task. I answer one, two, three, four, five. I decide I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to answer that later. Well, I you go have to provide an answer, but you can tag it and come back to it. Oh, so you can correct answers. Yes. Got it. Okay. Okay. I understand. So you're um, going through it. You have to still go through all the questions, but you can tag them and say, hey. And then on the last screen of the section, you'll be given a list of all the questions and the ones you tagged, and you can go back and you know revisit them. So if I finish a section quickly, quickly I could go back and check my work also. That's right. That's right. Okay. Uh, but you all can right. only change up to three responses. So... And Even if, so you can't tag more than three either, correct? You can tag as many as you want, but you can only change up to three because you may tag them to say, hey, let me spend a little more time to reconfirm my response. But, and the fact that we've left, kept it to three is, is really, I mean, there's logic and there's reasoning behind that. And part of it comes back to anxiety, right? So as we looked at all of the uh, individuals who've taken the GMAT over the last few years, we, we started seeing, um, you know, of the ones that completed the exam of the section, most of them had about, about two-ish, you know, they had, a, they had a couple minutes left um, at the end of each section on average. And frankly, with a couple minutes, you really can't go back and, you know, you, you probably can, can fix a couple, maybe three uh, answers. 
but we didn't want to create this anxiety where you know you can go back and complete five or ten or you know because then you're really stressed out about oh my gosh but so when we looked at the data most people had a couple minutes left we felt like in a couple minutes you might be able to update two or three responses and so we set the bar at three just to just to minimize that further anxiety thank you it's fascinating what is the timeline for the rollout of the GMAT focus? When will it start yeah, being offered? Will the, G, the traditional GMAT be offered at the same time? We just launched prep for GMAT focused a few weeks ago in June, and we're excited that there's a full suite of prep available. People seem to be very excited about learning more about that. The uh, GMAT focus registrations will open at the end of August, August 29th, and before we will start allowing people to take the exam. Uh, what again is that? In quarter four, in a fourth quarter, quarter four, got it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll allow people to start taking the exam, and it's going to be available both in test centers and online. The current version of the GMAT will remain uh, available through early next year, and then GMAT Focus will replace the current version of the GMAT uh, in entirety by early next year. So there will be an overlap period of a few months. We'll we'll give more details, more specifics around the the, the date when you can start taking the exam. Uh, later this summer. Got it. Okay. Is there, I mean, it seems like the GMAT focus is shorter. It doesn't have the written component. It maintains the adaptive nature, but allows you to choose the section. seems like there's a lot of advantages to it. Why would anybody want to take traditional GMAT if the GMAT focus is available? Yeah. I mean, I think it depends on where you are in your process, right? So, mm -hmm. uh, I think for some who've been preparing for a while, the current GMAT is, is where they, they may want to focus their attention. You know, it also depends on, you know, what your timeline is. Yeah, I mean, I highly recommend once it's available that people give it a shot. But again, we don't, again, everything we're doing here is about minimizing anxiety. If people are comfortable with one approach, they've been preparing um, and their timelines are more aligned with the current GMAT, then yeah, mm -hmm. sure, go ahead. And, and then if you do happen to have a little more time and you've already prepared for the current GMAT, you've already done most of the work. The question types, it, the, the GMAT focus is actually a curated version of the current GMAT. So you're not going to see any new question types. You're actually going to see less question types. If anything, you'll likely be overprepared for the GMAT focus. And so you can try out GMAT focus at the same time. But again, it just depends on, you know, where you want to be and, and what your timelines are. Is there any change in the pricing with GMAT focus? We're really excited that we've been able to include a whole number of features like I've talked to you about, uh, the ability to review and change your answers. One thing uh, that I, what we've also done is we've, we've incorporated a much more robust candidate score report and, and that provides detailed performance insights and analytics. Uh, so it goes way beyond just a number and a percentile. It really mm -hmm. gives you a sense of how you did, not just on, a, on the total section, but on specific question types, specific content domains. Um, it also provides some analysis on how you compare it against people that other people that applied to similar schools. So just a lot of different things. We used to provide a similar uh, product, but we charged for that. Right. And now that is now Dude. included in, in your registration fee. And so I'm really excited that we, we didn't have to change the pricing at all. The GMAT focus has maintained the price points uh, of the current GMAT, despite, you know, offering a wide host of additional benefits and value and features. So. Thank you. That's a great answer. Now, I understand that the scoring is going to change. How and why is the scoring going to change? Okay, another, another opportunity for a little bit of a history lesson. 
Okay. So, uh, <laughs> so the um, the current uh, GMAT score scale uh, was was that, that we know today was launched in 1997, and since 1997, the population of GMAT test takers has changed dramatically, has globalized dramatically. Back in 1997, it was a very different profile than it is, you know, certainly a few, you know, several years later and certainly today. And what's, what's, what that's caused is the mean has been increasing year over year. The problem that causes business schools have come to GMAC and said, hey, look, this is a real problem that that mean keeps increasing, that the score distribution feels a little inflated. It's hard to differentiate individuals across that score scale. You know, what can you do about that? And so with GMAT Focus, the fact that we're changing some of the content, you know, like I said, we're, we're removing sentence correction. We've retargeted some of the sections. Uh, so we now have a data insights uh, or data literacy skill set focus. We've added this review and edit capability. And we, we basically saw this as an opportunity to reset the score scale back to a more normal distribution, more of a bell-shaped curve where the mean sits closer to the center of the score scale, which is what the original intent was back in 1997. And what that does, it makes it a lot easier for schools to differentiate not only across the full score scale, but certainly where they were seeing some sort of grouping or tightening up, which was at the top end of the score scale. And so that, that's, that's why we're changing it. Now, what we've done is everyone knows the current score scale, 200 to 800, very well known. We didn't want to get too far away from that, but we did want to make sure that people could quickly, especially admissions officers, but certainly test takers, you know, whoever uses this information could quickly identify that, hey, this person took a GMAT focus and not a GMAT. And so we added a five to the end. So the GMAT focus score scale will be 205 to, to 805. But, but the scores are not directly comparable because of this recalibration of the score scale. And so what we're recommending to test takers, and we have a, we have a lot of information on our website about this, conversion charts and, and everything you need, but we are recommending that they look at percentiles because using percentiles, um, you can understand relative performance uh, across the, the two versions of the exam. And we are doing a full court press with schools around the world. We have a large uh, team of folks that are out there doing one-on-one -on -one meetings, webinars. We just had a big conference. So we are educating them. We are providing them the tools and resources. We recognize that change is hard, but we have, you know, we have some time. And so we're really making sure that they understand, you know, that a GMAT test taker and a GMAT focus test taker and how you kind of compare them and contrast them. How do you get percentiles with a brand new exam? You know, what we did was we reconstructed the test data and the response data from the last five years of the current GMAT exam. And we basically run that through the, the new sort of constructs. And so we were able to reconstruct a, a data set using the, the, the constructs for the GMAT focus, uh, but using the response data from the last five years of the current GMAT exam. As I said, there's no new items. And so with that, we were able to run uh, analytics against that revised data set and, and understand predictive validity, understand reliability and develop percentiles. All right. And I guess you, you're actually anticipating with that answer, my next question, which was, you know, I've heard many, many, many times, infinite number of times that GMAT scores correlate to performance in graduate management education. Yeah. So how has GMAC researcher confirmed that the new shorter 
GMAT is going to be at least as predictive as the older, longer GMAT. Yeah, so I, I think one of the things, one of the hallmarks of the GMAT is its high quality standards. And it's always been a part of our exam. One of those standards is predictive validity. And so it's funny that when we talked to schools, they said, hey, can you make the exam shorter, you know, more approachable, but you have to maintain the incredibly high industry leading quality benchmarks that you're known for? Well, that, that's, that, that's a tall order because the length of the exam actually helps determine the quality of the information that we're getting. So our, our, our team that, that does test design went back to the drawing board and really rebuilt the exam. Again, more innovation to really figure out how to maintain those standards while reducing the length of the exam. And that's a whole other probably podcast there and, and some of those innovations. But with that, we were able to maintain industry leading predictive validity, almost double what standardized testing minimum thresholds are really? um, wow. around the world, which is typically around a 0.25. And with GMAT, the current GMAT exam and with the GMAT focus, we're up uh, around 0.5, uh, which is a correlation coefficient, getting way too technical. But anyway, I, I think, I think it, it was just so important to us uh, as an organization to make sure that an individual or a school that uses that score knows for certainty that it's going to be a predictor of their ability to perform in that business school classroom. You know, it is, it is designed for that business school classroom. That score will help you, you know, confirm that you can handle the rigors of that business school classroom. Okay. Thank you. Now there are tests that have experimental or unscored sections in them. Will the GMAT focus have such a section or such questions? Yeah, I mean, we, we will continue uh, to, I mean, I think most exam programs around the world have that. So we will continue to have some questions that are experimental. Okay. Um, that, that's probably all I can get into. <laughs> okay. And also, I mean, this is not a highly technical um, podcast. So you mentioned earlier that test takers can choose the order, and that's one of the big innovations in, in the new GMAT focus. Do you recommend starting with the one that they anticipate being the hardest or the easiest? Yeah, it's a it's an interesting phenomenon, and I think it comes down to the to the test taker, right? So if it it depends on if you want to end on a high note, you know, take this section that you are most comfortable with last as you're starting to get tired, or take the exit section that you're most comfortable first, so that you know you can get comfortable while while you're dealing with content that you know that you can handle, and so you're settled down for the rest of the exam. I mean, it's hard to say we've, you know, we've seen people go either way. The good news is you can decide and you can take our practice exams to figure out what works best for you, right? We have exactly. three practice exams. We have paid practice exams. Try it out. See if, you know, if you want to start with quant, if you want to start with data insights, if you want to start with verbal, what is helping you kind of feel most comfortable and least anxious as you move through the exam? That's a great, great suggestion. How are schools receiving the new exam? I know you got a lot of input from them. I, I also believe that Harvard said it doesn't want to take the GMAT focus this particular cycle. What kind of feedback are you getting? We've uh, we've talked to so schools are, we're in an education process here, right? Now, so there's a lot of schools that are in learning mode and, and we're, we're, we're out there teaching them. Um, and we certainly have spent a lot of time up till now talking to them in our research process. By and large, schools are very excited about the, the reduced length of the exam while maintaining the, the quality and the rigor of the exam. To our knowledge, Harvard has essentially suggested that for this cycle, because they have a very different approach. They only have two rounds, one and two. 
and since those they didn't want to create uh, sort of confusion between uh, you know with their applicant base they really wanted people to just focus on the current version of the exam they are using GMAT focus for their two plus two which has a slightly later deadline early right. next year so from our understanding that is a unique situation with Harvard most schools have multiple rounds or rolling admissions and uh, at this point um, we haven't heard of anyone else you know sort of making having any concerns right right now many schools many business schools allow applicants to take alternatives to the GMAT in your view why should a MBA applicant take the GMAT focus as opposed to another test, which might be less expensive or shorter or even shorter than the GMAT focus. What's what's the argument for the GMAT exam? So, I, you know, here's what I, I would there's a, there's a lot of different things we could talk about with that. Okay. First, first of all, I think it's important to recognize that the GMAT is the only business school admissions test designed specifically for business school admissions. And it was designed with direct input from business school admissions and faculty. So that's that's one key piece. Secondly, it is the most, it is, it is an exam that is most relevant to today's business, you know, sort of what you need in the world of business to be successful. And so it is, it is the only exam out there that has a data insight section or a focus on data analytics. And then finally, it has industry-leading predictability. So what that means is it is doing what it's designed to do. It is, it is making sure that you are ready and, and can have success in the business school classroom. There are other options out there. Individuals going to business school are making a significant commitment, right? They are making a financial investment, a significant financial investment. Oh, yeah. It might be a, a few hundred dollars, but... The, the business school education is tens of thousands of dollars. Mm -hmm. uh, they're also, you know, there's opportunity cost, right? They are mm -hmm. they are going into a full-time MBA program. They're potentially giving up a job or right. part-time or EMBA program. They're giving up their personal lives, right? Because they're doing their job and going to class at night or weekends. So th there's a lot of opportunity costs. And then finally, you know, you're getting this education to build, you know, one of the main things you're doing is to make sure that you learn and, and that your peers and your cohort are strong and of, of, of a high caliber. You're going to be spending a lot of time with them. They're going to be your network for the future. And so knowing that they have been through the same standard that you have to get into that classroom, you know, uh, at a minimum, that the caliber is where you want them to be. So I think those are important considerations uh, in, in terms of why you might want to, you know, take an exam to make sure that you are ready uh, to invest those dollars, to invest that time, and that the person sitting to your left and to your right, you know, is equally, you know, ready for the task uh, to go forward and, 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 you know, in that business school classroom. Thank you. On a related, but not the same note, many schools are offering test waivers, test optionality, some are waiving the test entirely. What is the benefit of a test score for applicants when the test is optional or waivers are issued? Why should they take the test? Yeah, I mean, I, it comes down to your ability to stand out. I have not heard of a business school that won't accept this. <laughs> and so if you have an individual with a similar profile to you, maybe you're both in finance or what have you, head of marketing, similar years of work experience, great recommendations. How are you going to stand out? I think that that admission that that standardized test that GMAT score will really help you 
stand out from the others, you know, and make sure you get noticed uh, for that admission. I also think that if somebody has an undergraduate record that is less than stellar, a GMAT score can do wonders in terms of convincing a school that, well, you know, they were goofing off as an undergrad or something happened as an undergrad and they really can perform. Yeah, it's a great way. You're absolutely right, Linda. It's a great way to sort of uh, solve for, for pieces of your resume, let's say, or your background that you want to show improvement on, that you want exactly. to show that you have sort of taken steps to, to improve upon. So I think that's, that's a great point. Now, aptitude tests are sometimes criticized as increasing inequality or, or uh, inequity in, in society uh, and contributing to a lack of diversity in higher education and ultimately in management. How would you respond to that concern? Well, I mean, as an organization, GMAC is deeply committed to supporting uh, the business school community, advance sort of a, an inclusive and accessible approach to business education. And the GMAT exam and, and the GMAT focus edition were both designed to minimize bias or to, to eliminate bias to the extent possible. So we have a incredibly rigorous process that we use to ensure that every question that appears on the GMAT exam and now the GMAT focus exam is free from bias. It is a nearly 12 month process. There are, it, it, there's actually a seven step process. It's all presented on our website. And you know, despite the fact that these questions are really being designed by PhDs, extremely, extremely bright individuals, only about 70% of questions that we put through our 12 month process make it out the other end. So we are very careful about which questions make it onto a live exam and which ones don't. And, and if there's any, any marker of bias within that, we're sure to exclude it from the process. All right, great, thank you. Now, once we've, we've gotten rid of all the bias, how about some really good GMAT prep tips? Yeah, I mean, that, that's a, that, that's, you know, there, there's a lot we try to provide there, right? So what certainly- are ones? What are your favorites? You know, I, I think we have this thing on our website. It, it's called the six-week study planner. It's a great tool to sort of organize. And, and it's great because it's six weeks, right? So, you know, you, you don't have to worry about spending, you know, months and months and months if you're, if you're approaching an application deadline and you know, if you have six weeks or roughly, you can really put a plan together to kind of get ready and, and, and find success on uh, the GMAT exam. But there's a lot of tools and resources. We have a starter kit, a free starter kit, which has free practice exams, um, really allows you to organize your study. And then there's a lot of different paid resources as well, if you want to kind of add on to top of that. You know, I, I think most importantly, I think it's about just understanding the, the structure of the exam. It, it, it's, it's about understanding the question types. It's understanding how to attack each type of question. It, you know, while some people may recently be out of undergrad or, you know, maybe they've been on the, in, in the work, workforce for a while, it's really about re, re, resetting and getting back to thinking about, you know, how are these questions structured and, and how can I most efficiently get through them and work through the answers. So I think that's that's where I would start is, you know, either the six-week study study planner or, you know, the official starter kit, all free resources, take the practice exams, you know, you know to mm -hmm. figure out, you know, how you, uh, and those are free too, uh, to see, you know, where you stand and, and how you want to think about, you know, uh, your strategy with taking the, the, the real exam. Sounds good. Thank you. What would you have liked me to ask you? 
I, I think uh, one of the things that I think uh, people uh, have asked me a lot about is, yeah, it is sort of the the exam and some of the changes we made and, and what the implications are for the amount of time you have for each question. Okay. And I think it's important to think about the fact that we provide uh, a lot more time for each of our questions than maybe some of the other exams do. Over, How much over, actually? Over two minutes per question. Okay. Um, and so again, we are not trying to create anxiety there. We are trying to give you appropriate amount of time to take the exam. You may come across other exams out there that you know suggest a shorter length, uh, but ultimately they're going to—they're basically are putting in more questions in the same amount of time. And so, as you think about what is the right solution for you and, and which exam is going to give you the best chance of success, you know, I'd recommend. Certainly, we've talked about all the features and benefits, but also recognizing that you know that in, that that fatigue and that anxiety are really important, and we've maintained sort of the amount of time that you have per question. Uh, when you're taking the GMAT. That's a really good good point. I want to thank you for raising it. Yeah. Thank you also for joining me today. Where can listeners and test takers learn more about the GMAT focus and find the prep materials that you've been talking about? Yeah, so certainly mba.com forward slash GMAT focus. You know, we have we have all the information there. You can you can get a, a sense of the exam, the structure, and certainly all the prep materials. Sounds good. Thank you so much. We're going to include links in the show notes at accept.com slash 534 to the resources that Manish just mentioned, as well as to other related articles and interviews. Listener, thank you too for joining Manish, Daria, and me for our 534th episode. Quick reminder, take our new quiz. It's not the GMAT. It's free. It's real short at accept.com slash MBA. And it will give you a chance to see if you have a solid approach to the MBA application process. Plus, it also links to additional resources. Take the quiz at exhibit.com slash MBA. And a final request, if you find the show worthwhile, please share the good word by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. Your doing so helps us spread the news about Admission Straight Talk. You can leave that review really easily by going to lovethepodcast.com slash A-S-T. Thanks again for coming. This is Admission Straight Talk produced by Accepted, and I am your host, Linda Abraham. I'll talk to you again next week.